Today, I want to talk to you about some things that God does not understand. Hear me out for a minute before you say, well, God's all-knowing. There's the mentality that says that God understands and that he's cool with stuff that he's really not cool with. This causes many to take a lackadaisical attitude towards their own spiritual life and towards the many people around them who are lost without God in their lives. Many people will say, well, God understands that I love him. I just have a hard time doing some of the things that he says. No, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Word of God is very straightforward. And there's an answer in God's word to every lie that the enemy tries to place in people's minds. There's not a lie that the enemy gives that God's word does not have an answer to. God understands that I'm weak. Pastor, I'm just weak. It's hard for me not to give in to my temptation. No, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect. Your weakness, I don't care how big your weakness is, how long we've had our weaknesses. God says, my grace is sufficient for that. My strength is perfect in your weaknesses. Well, God understands. He knows my heart. You hear that one? Well, God knows the heart. But that means a lot of times that's excuse. I get to do what I want, but I have a good heart. My kid has a good heart. My neighbor, they have a good heart. Even if I live a life that's contrary to his word, no. He says the heart is deceitful above all things, and it's beyond cure. Who can understand it? He said, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. That's God's answer to this excuse. God knows my heart, but I don't have to do what he says. Okay? No, I want you to hear clearly. He says, I'm searching the heart and I'm going to reward people according to their conduct. To what they deserve. Not some, oh, well, I love God. It's okay. He goes on. He does make this promise to whosoever will. If you have a heart problem, I'll give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I'll remove from you your heart of stone. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. And listen to this next part that he says. And I'll move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Real quickly, sometimes whenever we tell people about following God's decrees and keeping his laws, sometimes people want to call that legalism. But there's been something in my heart that I've known from the time I was little that God wants me. He wants me to be careful And to be sensitive that whenever he says no, that I listen. Whenever he says go, that I go. Whenever he says change your attitude, that I change my attitude. He says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put it inside of you and I'll give you this desire that causes you to follow my decrees and it causes you to be careful to keep my laws. Throughout scripture, we find many times when God did not understand. He didn't understand when David was up on the palace roof, looking down over the hill, watching Bathsheba as Bathsheba flaunted her stuff. 
Now, here's the reality. We got to deal with the issues of the heart. Bathsheba stands outside, bathes naked. I've been on that hill. Today, if you go over to Israel, you can stand on the hill. they excavating where his palace was. And there's places built the whole way down. And I mean, it's like you're up here and you can look just right down and see everything that's happening. And, and as I stood there, I, you get this understanding of how David, he walks out there. But everyone acts like Bathsheba's a victim. Bathsheba was not a victim in this. She's out there. Her husband is away. Let's talk about heart issues. Her husband is away. She's lonely. She's seen the king up there before. He's powerful. I'm sure he was a handsome fellow. He was a guy who had all kinds of money and all kinds of power. And everybody looked up to David. They sang songs about him. So Bathsheba goes out there. And I guarantee you there was something. I'm telling you, pastor's preaching now. I don't know who I'm preaching to. There was something in her heart. There was something in her heart that caused her to go out there and expose herself. There's something in David's heart. He stands there and he sends for her. She comes up. God didn't understand. David had an opportunity to turn away, to walk away. God didn't understand when David didn't turn away. He didn't understand when he sent for her. He didn't understand a married woman whose husband is out fighting for the nation while he's up there on the palace roof Googling over his wife. He didn't understand when he slept with her. He didn't understand when he tried to cover it up. And he didn't understand when he had him killed. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7, when Nathan confronts David, he gives this parable for him and he says, you're the man. And then he, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if this had all been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord By doing what is evil. Did you hear what God spoke through the prophet to David? He said, I've given you all of this stuff. And if you needed anything else, all you had to do was ask me. And I would have given you even more if you would have simply asked me, why did you despise my word? And every time that you and I disobey God, that's what we're doing. We are despising his word. When he's given David so much, God could not understand. He says, I've given you all of this. I don't understand. If you would just ask me. See, that's God's answer to us. To these attitudes that are of our heart. Well, God, you haven't. There's something that I need that you haven't given me. Well, God says, ask me and I'll give it to you. I will supply your needs. If you need something else, I'll give it to you. That's what he said. I don't understand why you would despise and disrespect me in this manner. 1 Samuel chapter 15, there's another person who God did not understand. It was King Saul. And I want you to hear this clearly. God gave Saul specific instructions to utterly destroy all the Amalekites and their animals for what they had done to Israel when they came up out of Egypt. Hear this. There is a reason that God wants to destroy certain things in your life. There is a reason why God tells you to utterly, totally destroy certain things in your life. We're going to look here at the Amalekites. We're going to see the reason why. 
The Amalekites were the one who opposed Israel as they traveled through the desert. The Amalekites are involved in Israel's future throughout their history. They were the ones, and it could have been stopped. They were the ones who attacked Israel as Joshua led the armies in the valley below. And remember, Moses stood upon the mountaintop, and he looked out over, and he watched over. And when Moses would raise the staff up, when his arms were going up and they were up in the air, as he interceded for the people, what happened? They were winning. The tide went Israel's way. When Moses' arms went down, what happened? They began to lose. The tide began to go against them and the Amalekites, I can imagine Moses lifting it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. But here's the reality. When a leader is in their place doing what they're called to do, when Moses' arms, who's the ones who are losing? It's the people who they're leading. And that moment in time, we find that Aaron and Hur came up alongside Moses. And what did they do? They held up his arms. They put something, a stone underneath him for him to sit. And they lifted up his arms and they held up his arms. And as long as they held up his arms, the victory was won. There's some really good spiritual truths that we can look at. The importance of leaders interceding before God on behalf of the people. And the importance of people upholding the arms of the leaders as they're doing what God has called them to do. It was the Amalekites who attacked the village of Ziglag. You remember that story. And carried off the wives of David's mighty men and David's children. They carried off their children and their wives. These mighty warriors wept bitterly. And what did they want to do in that moment in time? Does anyone remember what they want to do with David? They were talking about killing David. They go out from a battle. They come back. They find their city destroyed on fire. Their wives are carried off. Their children are carried off. Their goods are carried off. The guys sit around and cry and mourn. And then they want to turn on David. And what the Bible says that in that time, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Man, there's another sermon there. There's sometimes that you just got to encourage yourself in the Lord. There's sometimes that people who are supposed to support you are going to be against you. There's times where things that belong to you have been taken away, but you and I still have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. In fact, David encouraged himself in the Lord so much that he got up, he pursued his enemies, he overtook them, he fought with them, and he destroyed them. Then he took possession of what rightfully belonged to him. He said, this is mine. You can't keep stealing from me. I'm not going to lay here like a whipped puppy. I'm getting up and I'm taking back what belongs to me. I wish somebody in the church would get that spirit in their heart today. Because the enemy has stolen from you for far too long. It's time for you to rise up, encourage yourself in the Lord, and go take possession of what belongs to you. In the book of Esther... We find once again a descendant of the Amalekites here. You remember who's the villain in the book of Esther? Does anyone remember his name? Haman. Haman. Haman was trying to destroy the Israelites through an edict of King Xerxes of Persia. Haman is referred to as an Agite. He was a descendant of this evil king Agag. Let me say it again. There are times that God wants to utterly destroy certain hindrances in your life. 
you cannot afford, you can't afford, your family can't afford, your descendants can't afford for you to let it stay around in your house. So I wish somebody, if you don't hear anything else, you're getting about six messages here. If you don't hear anything else, those things that need to be destroyed in your life, you need to do it. Don't complain because mom and dad didn't do it. Don't complain and, and, well, it's a generational curse. Hey, you take authority. God's given you authority. Any attack of the enemy that comes against you, any curse can be broken by the power of Jesus Christ in your life and by his blood. So quit making excuses for it and look to the future and say, God, it's not going to be that way for my kids. It's not going to be that way for my grandkids. It's not going to be that way. I will not allow it in my home any longer. Saul calls 210,000 men. And he attacks the Amalekites. He has them on the run. Saul is destroying them. But verse 8 says this, 1 Samuel chapter 15. It says, he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle. The fat calves and lambs. Everything that was good, these they were unwilling to totally destroy. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. God speaks to Samuel in the night. And God says that I regret making Saul king because he has turned away from me and not carried out my instructions. For you not to obey God, you have have to first turn your face away from him. Oh, no, pastor, I love him. No, no. if you, he said, this is what, here's what his word says. His word says, if you love me, I'll keep my commandments. No, pastor, I love you. You are calling God a liar because he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So what happened is Paul had to first turn away from the Lord to be able to disobey him. In the meantime, Saul's gone to set up a monument in his own honor. So now this guy, who when he started was humble, something happened in his heart. Pride began to well up. For us to disobey God, for us not to listen to him, pride has to be evident. Pride is somewhere in our hearts, in our lives. You can't walk in humility and brokenness before the Lord and disobey him. You just absolutely can't do it. And so somehow pride, he knew better. And so now he's at a point where now he's setting up a monument to himself. When Samuel finds Saul, Saul greets him and says, I've carried out all the Lord's commands. And Samuel asks him, then why did I hear the sound of sheep and of cattle? And Saul begins to make excuses. Do you ever find yourself making excuses for things that are contrary to the word? Do you ever find yourself in that place? Well, God understands. I'm telling you, I want you to hear me. There's some things that he don't understand. There's some things that don't make any sense to him. So Saul goes ahead and he starts making excuses. He says, well, the soldiers, some of them saved the best to offer as a sacrifice to the Lord your God. Can I tell you, he don't need your sacrifice. To obey, the word says, is better than sacrifice. But we destroyed, you know, the soldiers did it. 
They saved some of the best because they wanted to offer it as an offering to the Lord, your God. But we destroyed everything else. The prophet Samuel has heard enough of his excuses and reasons. And he, in essence, tells him to shut up. Some of us, we tell that people teach their kids, don't ever, oh, that's like a bad word. No, there's times where you need to shut up. And that's what he said to him. He says, Saul's there is talking and talking. He's making excuses. And Samuel says, enough. I don't want to hear anything else out of your mouth. Let me tell you what God told me last night. Can I say to you that there's still a need for a prophet in the land to tell people enough? Sometimes in our homes, somebody, you don't have to say shut up, but you can say enough, enough. Sometimes in our workplaces, you don't have to go and and be rude to people, but there's a time when we can say enough. I've heard enough of your excuses. I've heard enough of your lives. I've seen enough of your compromise. Let me tell you what God says. All that, well, I believe with all of my heart that Lord is raising up prophets in our land. That he's saying to people, enough, enough excuses, enough lies, enough compromise. 1 Samuel 15, 17, Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission. If you have your Bibles, I want you to underline that. He sent you on a mission. I want to repeat it again because we're going to come back to that. He anointed you and he sent you on a mission. Look to the person next to you and say, the Lord's anointed you and he sent you on a mission. Tell him it again. I want you to get this in your spirit. Say, the Lord has anointed you and he sent you on a mission. Saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? God had sent Saul on a mission. I want you to remember that, as I said, because we're going to come back to that. God did not understand his disobedience. In fact, Samuel said, you've rejected the word of the Lord Later on, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. When Samuel turns to leave, Saul reaches out and grabs a hold of the hem of his robe. And Samuel's walking away and his robe tears. Samuel says, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one who's better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie. This, somebody needs to underline this in their Bible too. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Do you see that principle? This idea that, well, God's okay with it now. No, he doesn't lie to you and he's not changed his mind. Some of you, when you got saved, there were things that God told you to leave behind. God told you. The pastor didn't tell you. The evangelist didn't tell you. God told you. He spoke to your heart. Friend, he does not change his mind. I don't understand why people want to live as close to the world 
as they possibly can. That's not the heart that God places in us. He says, I'll take the heart of stone away and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll cause you to follow my words. I'll cause your heart to listen closely to my commands. As he's saying this to him, Saul was still worrying about how he looked. Sometimes it's kind of funny and as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, I don't know if it's just me, but there's sometimes I worry about how I'll look. Any of you worry about that? Well, how will it appear? What if it doesn't go the way I think it's going to? And so Saul's worrying about his appearance and not necessarily that I was wrong, not necessarily that I offended you, God, but how am I going to look before the people? And listen to what he says. Saul replied, I've sinned. All right, I've sinned that you got me. Listen to what he says. But please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Do you think he was really repentant when he said, I've sinned? No, he, all right, you're right, I've sinned. But make sure I look good in front of people. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring me King Agag, king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him and changed and he thought, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel left for a while. That's a preacher there. Huh? That's a preacher there. Then Samuel left for Ramah. But Saul went up to his home at Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted he had made Saul king over Israel. Thank God for the prophets who will not only declare the word of the Lord, but they're willing to carry out the Lord's instructions. It's only then it's going to be a difference in our nation. It's only then that the destruction of the enemy will be thwarted whenever God's men and women stand up and do what he's called them to do. God did not understand why Saul refused to carry out the mission that had been assigned to him. God will not understand if you fail to carry out the mission that's been assigned to you. I'll say it again told you to remember that verse i gave you a mission i gave you something that i wanted you to do for me god did not understand why saul did not completely obey why he did not carry out the mission and when you and i stand before god he will not understand if you and i fail to carry out the mission that he has given unto us friends you have a mission Here's the truth for every lie. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. He's not going to want to hear excuses. He's not going to want to hear all of your reasons why. He's not going to listen to a lame excuse. He's going to say enough when he's already told us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 13, 47. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Friend, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you just like he anointed Saul and gave him a mission. He has anointed you and he's anointed me. And he has said, because he's anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. If you don't do it, God will not understand. If you don't go, he's not going to get it. He will not understand when he's given you all authority, when he has anointed you, and when he's empowered you to take this message that Jesus Christ, if a man or a woman reaches out to him, he will save and he will forgive them. That Jesus Christ has the power to set the captive free. That Jesus Christ has the power to heal the sick raise the dead, that Jesus has the power to take someone who was low and lift them up, someone who is hopeless and give them hope and joy and peace. He won't understand if you leave here and you have this great mission that he's given you and you fail to fulfill it. You see, because he values souls and he's empowered you and you and you and me to take this message wherever we go Every chance we get, he wants us to destroy the works of the enemy. And he's anointed us and empowered us to do that. Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that rests upon your people today. I ask you this morning that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open up doors for them to speak your word. I pray for those whose hearts need to be changed. I thank you that you promised I'll take a heart of stone. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll move you to follow my commands, to do my will. So, Father, I pray that as men and women leave here, that we would leave knowing that we've been empowered with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we have been sent on a mission now. It's ours to carry it out in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you.